The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous supporters. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash donate. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, episode number 19. Captain DeBridge. Spock here. Make itself. Surrender is not an option. Attention crew of the Enterprise, this is James Kirk. We are all explorers, driven to know what's over the horizon, what's beyond our own shores. We would have helped you get home if you had asked. That's who Starfleet is. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're wrapping up our our overview discussions of all of the Star Trek series. We've done all of them from uh, the original series. We, we, we previously had talked about, and you'll find in, our, in, your, uh, in your podcast feed, uh, our previous two-part discussion of the first season of Discovery. That's, so that's why that's not coming. We've already done that. And we've done the original series and Next Gen and all that, all the way up to today's topic, which is Enterprise, that polarizing <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, 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 series that uh, some fans love, some fans hate. It's kind of like The Last Jedi for Star Wars fans. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to have a good discussion on that. And uh, joining me today, as always, on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Don. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Great. So first, uh, I want to thank folks for uh, subscribing to the podcast feed, downloading this episode. Uh, and I want to ask you to do a couple of things for us. First, if you could uh, like this on social media, wherever you see it, like on our Facebook page or on Twitter to retweet it. If you're listening on YouTube to like it there and to subscribe to the YouTube channel and hit the bell for the get notifications. Uh, subs- you know, if uh, presuming that most people subscribe to the podcast uh, instead of just listening online as it comes out. But if you haven't subscribed, please do. That helps us uh, know how many people are listening. But also, even more important uh, is to share this with other folks. If we, the only, really, the only effective way we have of growing the audience is is if you folks uh, help us by sharing the podcast with other people, letting other Star Trek fans know that this is here and that you're enjoying it, and then to uh, go to iTunes and write a review. Get write us a five star review. Uh, because that alerts the algorithm that runs the iTunes podcast directory that he here's something that people are liking. You should show this to more people. So uh, listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those different places, and uh, and let people know that we're here. And I really appreciate that. So that said, let's start our discussion of yeah. Star Trek Enterprise. So this I have was a question about that. Okay. Yeah, you said in 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 the introduction that fans either love this or hate this. Do any fans actually love this? I mean, I know some hate it, <laughs> but I can't think of any who is like, "Oh, Enterprise is the best series ever." You, I mean, you, for a lot would, of fans, it's just okay. Yeah. You would be surprised. There are people. There are people who love everything. Like there's somebody. There's just like in 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 love and marriage. There's somebody for everyone. There's somebody for Enterprise. Like there's, there are fans out there who love Enterprise, <laughs> just the way it is. Okay, no, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'll I'm definitely not in the, I'm definitely not in the love it phase. I'm in the 
so much potential wasted and <laughs> yeah. finally started to get good and then yeah. they canceled it phase yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i guess I, well, we could start there um although well let me start with some of the basic information so if, in case you you weren't you know you're too young to remember or you weren't a star trek uh, fan then uh enterprise broadcast from 2001 to 2005 so as voyager was ending enterprise was coming um it aired on upn the same network that uh, voyager aired on um it, la- it lasted four seasons and it's a it's a prequel series that features the first starship enterprise uh, although not the first ship named enterprise of course we've had many ships mm-hmm. named enterprise including uh i just want to note here uh this is i'm going to name drop my great 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 grandfather and his brothers who lived in nova scotia were french canadian uh own, owned a ship named enterprise so it was hmm. my destiny to be a Star Trek fan. So, uh, okay. I just wanted to throw that in there. At least, least you have an excuse. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so that's the, that's the basic, the, the basic plot is the story of the first Starship Enterprise. I mean, that's the most basic, you know, one sentence. Yeah. So this, this story is set in the 2100s for the most part around 2150. Yes. 2150 to 55 because of the, the four seasons. Um, so, uh, what was sorry, Father Corey? I forgot. What was it you were saying that I was uh, interrupting you to, to give the basic information? No, 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 no. You didn't interrupt me. I just, you know, it, it's it really is a series that it had so much potential. Yes. I mean, it really did. There was so much they could have covered. I think one of the biggest complaints about it is they never did anything with the Romulans. You know, they right. this very the, little, very little. This because this is right before the time of the Romulan War. You know, yeah, it was supposed and, to have happened. And that was my criticism of the whole series right from the beginning. I said that um, what they needed to do was tell us the story of the Romulan War and the founding of the Federation, which is what Mm -hmm. we knew was going to happen. When they announced the new series was going to be a prequel, I was so excited. I thought, finally, we get to see this pivotal moment in Federation Mm -hmm. history. And then, nope, let's just... What the fans really want is another show about a ship going, gee whiz, let's explore the galaxy. But I've seen several series already about ships going, gee whiz, let's explore the galaxy. That's not what I'm oh, interested in seeing at this point. And, and, and don't forget, making sure to have very sexy scenes with the very sexy oh. uh, Vulcan okay. so science. That was rep. and, and, yeah, and so, all the antibacterial goo they were smearing each on each other in the yeah. decon. Yeah chamber. <laughs> so I, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I mean, these are all things I want to kind of address as we go along here, uh, because each of these deserves to be dissected uh, in detail. So let's let's start at the very start of this, which is the and probably the thing that 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 a lot of fans kind of put a bad taste in their mouth right right from the beginning, right before they even mm-hmm. saw a character on screen was the mm-hmm. theme song. This it was for the first time. It was not an orchestral soundtrack. You, mean you didn't like thing. going down the long road. <laughs> it it was a pop Getting song, <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a bad pop song. Uh, it was it was kind of like a minor song that um, Rod Hatch Stewart had recorded. You know, yeah, yeah and yeah. and the first time that there was a, a song with lyrics. Uh, although we know now that uh, that we've been told that the original Alexander Courage theme song for the original series had lyrics. Uh, although some people say that that was a, a back 
explanation that they didn't really someone yeah, we, we wrote kind of discussed that a little what, bit. what happened there i've read the lyrics to the original um yeah. and they're bad and and they were written by gene roddenberry simply so he could claim co-author credit for the original theme tune and thus get royalties off of it right okay yeah so uh thankfully we never had to had to listen to those uh while we were <laughs> while it was uh airing <laughs> uh but these but this one a lot of fans really disliked it they tweaked it in the uh, third and fourth season, but not enough because we still had yeah. to hear it. Uh, the, the, the lyrics are, are uh, the song is called where my heart will take me. And it's as but ch- everyone thinks of it as the faith of the heart song, because that's the recurring lyric. In yeah. It. And it's just as cheesy as you imagine it. Um, it just is. Ugh. There's a little subjectivity there. I don't mind the song particularly. I mean, I I, I wouldn't have gone with it. It wouldn't have been my choice, but mm-hmm. it's not the thing that makes me angry about this series. <laughs> well, I, I think, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure, like I said, there's a fan for everything, and I'm sure there are some fans who are really angry about it. But for me, it just, it sort of symbolizes how they bungled things coming out of the game. Yeah. And related to that, something else that, and I think actually the credits, which, you know, it's a montage of images showing us the history of space flight. Yeah. And that's yeah. reasonable. That, yeah. that makes sense given well, that this is supposed to be the first warp five ship. And so well, it's a, and not just, a, not just space flight, but it's, it's ships named enterprise. So right. going all the way yes. back to the British, yeah. you know, sailing ship enterprise. Right. Um, you know. But so so that that historical montage, that makes sense to me. But then when they get to the end of the credits in the first two seasons, it just says Enterprise. And that's the name of the series. There right. is no Star Trek. Right. And and they were it, they were clearly trying to distance themselves and do something new and fresh. But they also damaged their brand at the same mm-hmm. time. Right. Their brand I mean, needs to be Star Trek. Yeah, if you're if you're looking through your TV guide back when they had TV guides and people <laughs> yeah. and people used them, and you see the word Enterprise, unless you're a hardcore fan, hardcore fan, you don't know that Star Trek, and right. you don't know to tune in. And, and that could be that could be a show about some corporation, you know, like Dallas and corporations, or it could <laughs> yeah. be you know, could be anything. Who knows? Well, and the, and the thing is. This is 2001 to 2005. This was a low point for Star Trek. I mean, this is the same time period where they made Star Trek Nemesis, the movie that almost killed Star Trek movies. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was by by many people's standards. We're not really talking about Nemesis right now. Well, this will be a separate episode. But, you know, by many people's standards, it was one of the worst Star Trek movies because, you know, for various reasons. Uh, it was better than Insurrection. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I'll agree. I'll agree with that. I will agree with that. Uh, two movies that, that basically killed the franchise mm-hmm. until J.J. Yeah. Abrams rebooted his Kelvin uh, universe. But but it certainly killed next gen uh, Star Trek films. Uh, so but but again, bad period of time for Star Trek. And this was you just know, part of, of it. Kind of a case, kind of case of how the mighty has fallen, because it went from the height of DS9 to the low of Enterprise in Five with years vo- with Voyagers a step down in between. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, that's a quick drop. Now, the 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 this series is sort of based on or builds off of something that was from Star Trek First Contact, which was the that the first time that uh, humans encountered Vulcans. That was sort of a mm-hmm. that was the, the the point of Star Trek First Contact. Um, that the 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 plot that, point that it revolved the, around. That was the first contact. Yes. And so 
this movie sort of builds off of that like a hundred years later after the first you know warp drive ship and that first contact and now we're like a hundred years after that and and now you know there's this we built in this tension right from the beginning this uh vulcan human tension and there are many humans mm-hmm. who feel like the vulcans have been keeping humanity down and i'm thinking is this really where we want to go so you know where we want to uh create uh an the enemy to be the Vulcans who are like one of the best uh, friends of humanity in uh, all of Star Trek. Well, okay. So let's talk about that because um, the, the Vulcans are uh, Mr. Spock is like one of the best friends of humanity, but <laughs> we've seen a lot of Vulcans who have a lot of attitude in, in our, and even though they're on the side of the Federation, um, they're not the easiest people to deal with, even in later mm-hmm. series. And this is before there is a federation for them to right. be on the same, to, for them to be on the side of. Sure. So, so I think it's defensible. This is, there are similar criticisms, uh, about Star Trek Discovery that, oh, this isn't what we're used to. Well, if it was what you're used to, go watch the old DVDs. Um, because, because each series needs to distinguish itself in some way. And it makes sense to say, look, we're a hundred years before the time of the original series. Um, ex- don't expect everything to be the way it was in the original series. Expect there to be some things that will be different that will then progress towards the way they were in the original series. Discovery had the same thing. It, we're, we're eventually going to get to where we are in this in the original series, but don't expect it to all be identical. And uh, I think it's defensible to say we had, given the kind of prickly nature of Vulcans, I mean, look at the Spock-McCoy relationship. We could have a prickly beginning with them that would take a while to iron out. I will I will grant you that that we it's okay to have a progression. I just think as a from a storytelling point of view, you've 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 starting off by the first officer, who once again is a Vulcan, not very original, but she's you know she's very arrogant, condescending, and every Vulcan we encounter is arrogant, condescending, and it it kind of grates a little though. I mean, it's, I mean, I know. We're, we're Over the getting, course of the series, she gets sympathetic, and we meet some does. sympathetic Vulcans. Um, and it it's sort of um, I know we talked about the the Roddenberry rule where there's no conflict among the crew, and now mm-hmm. they've 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 clearly wanted to get away from that, and we have this conflict here between T'Pol and the others where they don't really trust her at, at the beginning. In the beginning, mm-hmm. um, so I, I just I feel like it's a it's a tricky storytelling. I think it. It contributed to the difficulties that the show experienced. And I, 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 I would I, agree I, with that. I would agree I, with that. However, however, I also see um, the benefit of putting it in there because we got to remember that Vulcans live longer than humans do, that we humans are seen uh, in the in the stellar scale as being very brash and, you know, a little new. too quick new there you go that's a good way to put it and so i think it really it it could have been done well could have been i don't i'm not mm-hmm. going to argue it was done well but it could have done well to show humanity as they're taking these first real steps into interstellar space that um they prove themselves that humanity proves itself to the vulcans and to other species 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think it makes sense and flows from the end of Star Trek First Contact because there the Vulcans have the superior technology. They're the superior spacefaring race. And we're the newcomers who've just invented warp drive. And given what we know about Vulcans and their highly logical approach to things, even though they're not as logical as they will come to be after the Vulcan Reformation, um, they still are not going to... if. They're not going to look on us and go, oh, wow, exciting new race. Let's help them go everywhere and do everything all at once. The natural inclination of any established power to a rising power is to want to sit on it and limit it. And Vulcans especially are going to look at us and say, wow, illogical yahoos. We need to monitor them closely. <laughs> Humanity was the equivalent of a bunch of guys in a pickup truck with a, a gun rack and a deer strap. Hey, y'all watch this. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing. Uh, uh, well, no, just from the point of view of uh, the Vulcans, who are the equivalent of uh, I, uh, some folks in Harvard Square. Let's put it that and way. And I, 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 I almost kind of see it, too, as almost like mentors to to uh, apprentices that they saw themselves as mentors to humanity in taking good steps. Right. Well, I mean, that's the Vulcan approach was saying humanity is going to go out into the stars. Let's make sure they do it in a way that protects the stars, but also protects humanity. Given that mm-hmm. when they first met us, we had just, you know, been reduced to nearly stone age, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. coming up out of world war. Uh, probably not, probably not unexpected that they would take that approach. But mm-hmm. but so I I grant what you're saying. Uh, just uh, I I feel like the 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 feel of the Vulcans and especially of Topal at the beginning may have contributed to some of the difficulties. Yeah, early no on. disagreement there. Absolutely yeah. no yeah. disagreement there. So speaking of Topal, and you you brought this up earlier, Father Corey. The, the clearly Topal was supposed to cash in on the seven of nine uh, aesthetic mm-hmm. from Voyager. She was emotionless. Wore cat suits, was a very attractive woman, and then they put her in the in these situations, like we mentioned, where because they weren't using the transporter, we'll talk about that in a bit. We'll talk about the technology thing in a bit. Uh, they they had to take shuttlecraft, and so they were the transporters in later Star Trek was presumed to have a biofilter that filters out any mm-hmm. bad things, and so very logical. This is actually nice that they thought of this. That well, they'd have to try to filter out any bad things coming back up from planets with them. So they have to use this treatment to spread this goo all over themselves, except yeah. they put them in the same room and they're spreading it on each other. And it's like naked slow yeah. motion. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm like, could they not have their own rooms? Like, do they have to like yeah. do this communally? It, it was very couldn't, clearly. Couldn't this, couldn't this be a mist or something <laughs> yes. or, you know, sp- exactly. a shower? Like, are you going to say you spread this in every pore and your eyes and which, your hair? Like they. They clearly aren't, right. which harms the believability of it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, it was so. It was clearly a, a titillation, sort of mm-hmm. ramp up yeah. the sexual tension, sort of stuff, which ends up creating. You, actually, in later seasons, we get this relationship between the Paul and Tucker, the chief engineer. Which, which actually I thought was fine, although mm-hmm. they and and they brought it in a different way. It didn't have anything to do with the decon chamber. Um, right. It was it was other issues. But I, and actually, I like that relationship. I thought that was a good relationship for them to build. Yeah, the very there's a, such a contrast between them. 
that it was a very interesting <laughs> yeah. relationship. It, it, it's it's like the wharf, um, the wharf Deanna, no, the oh. wharf Deanna Troy oh, relationship. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in both cases, the actresses didn't like the relationship. Um, Marina Sirtis didn't like it. Didn't like having a relate her character having a relationship with Warp. Um, Jolene Blaylock didn't like her character having a relationship with Tucker. Um, and and I think in both cases the actresses uh, missed what was fascinating about the relationship was it was a real extreme case of opposites attract. Yeah. Right. Uh, one of the. I guess one of the objections would be, and I, I think I've, I've seen some, is that why do women always have to enter into relationships to be interesting, uh, you know, interesting characters? Well, with, with, I don't think they do. I mean, right. I thought T'Pol was interesting before, but that doesn't mean I didn't think this was an interesting development for her character. Right. And certainly the other part of the, the, the relationship has to be, a, you know, in, in these cases has been a guy. Hmm. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. thought Trip. I thought Trip got more interesting too when he was in the relationship. Right, right. Um, so uh, we kind of skipped over the the lead character, the captain, yeah. Captain Archer, um, played uh, by um, I always can never uh, Scott Bakula. <laughs> yep. I'm sorry, folks. I'm terrible <laughs> with names. Scott Bakula, who, but older folks may remember from Quantum Leap. Younger folks know him from NCIS New Orleans. Um, yep. What do oh, you think? I haven't seen that one. Uh, I've only seen the first half of the season. I kind of gave up. I've on seen NCIS. a few of it. It's yeah. Not too bad. Um, what do you think of Scott Bakula as Captain Archer? Uh, I think he's really. I think he's really great. Um, yeah. I I like Scott Bakula. I like his Captain Archer. And according to everybody on the crew, he was like the nicest guy. Like he was. He mm-hmm. was unlike some actors who are kind of prima donnas or overly stiff. I'm thinking right. William Shatner and, and, John, <laughs> and uh, Patrick Stewart. Right. Um, <laughs> Scott Bakula has a reputation for being a humble, sweet, down-to-earth guy who would even do stuff yeah. like help the crew load boxes back on the truck at the end of the day. <laughs> oh, don't right. let the union know that. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what about you, Father Corey? What do you think no, of I, Archer? I agree. I, I mean, I... I I liked the way Scott Bakula played him. I liked, you know, the the approach that they had with him where he wasn't gung-ho, he wasn't, but he wanted to get out there. What I didn't like, and fortunately, I think they cut this very quickly, was they tried to find opportunities for him to have the epic speech. Right. You know, the Mm. quotable speech of the day. Voyager syndrome. (laughs) Yeah. Leave that to Jeff Winger. You know, and and, and I'm glad they... They cut that out very quickly, you so, know, but I, I think yeah, and he, he I, did a, it was good character. I actually liked the plot point of his dog. I mean, I liked the fact it, oh, yeah, it made him humanized him in many ways. Like, here's this guy who, you know, he's the captain. It's a lonely place to be the captain. It should be sort of a lonely position. He has to stand above the crew, apart from the crew. And the and his dog, I forget the dog's name, but his dog. Porthos. Was, Porthos, that's right. Uh, a, a Three Musketeers reference. Uh this dog was was his humanizing connection, and it was uh, I like that uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. So we probably we probably should say a word about the core triumvirate as a group. I was because, just about to go into that. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, because in the original series, even though it wasn't planned that Kirk, Spock, and McCoy would be the core triumvirate, that's what emerged, and that's yeah. what mm-hmm. people remembered from that series. And obviously, just like Next Gen took the 
original series characters and sort of remixed them. That's what we have going on here, too. Only it's even closer to the right. original series. Right. We've still got a human captain, a uh, compassionate male human, and a, uh, and a logical Vulcan in the Core 3. Right. What's different is that the Vulcan this time, who is first officer again, mm-hmm. um, the Vulcan is a female, and the compassionate human is an engineer rather than a doctor. But, but other than that, yeah. it's Kirk, right. Spock, and McCoy. Well, also, the compassionate uh, human in that transport is also very Southern in his ways. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah only he's less, less Southern than McCoy. They could have gone more South on him. Yeah. I mean, the accent very clearly. Uh, but yes. Yeah. Um, I, I well, think I think no. I mean, not to my ear, but oh, then I'm well, from the south. That's true. That's true. <laughs> no, uh, it 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 sounded to me like you know someone from the north trying to imitate a southern accent. Is, yeah. is Connor Trenier not an, a, a southerner? I, I that I don't know. He may be, and yeah. the accent is fine. It's just very light. It's it's not a wanna, strong southern. He's accent. from Washington There's, State. There you go. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Walla Walla. Which is so he'd I have mean. more of a western accent yeah. naturally. Um, or Northwestern, which is uh, very different. Uh, so mm-hmm. one of the, so the, the I, I agree. I like the, I, I, it is a mix. I kind of like the triumvirate. I, there was a, mm-hmm. there was good tension, uh, as the series went on, they, 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 uh, you know, the two, you know, lesser parts were good supports. The, the, you know, the, the opposing voices often on, on various mm-hmm. things, offering various kinds of advice, that sort of stuff. There was that tension with, to Paul again, because especially in the first season, the, the captain couldn't completely trust her because there right. was a question whether she was a plant by the Vulcans to kind of, you know, well, she was, but yeah. she sided with the Enterprise in the end, right, right, uh, and that was that was that was a, a, I think it was to the benefit of the show that they kind of resolved that somewhat after the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, in, incidentally, a behind the scenes thing that people may not be aware of is. If you think back to the episode um, Amok Time from the original mm-hmm. series, yep. we, there's a Vulcan matriarch who everyone is in awe of named Tapau yes. in that episode. Right. And she's an old woman. Um, and originally, the sh- creators of the show meant for T'Pol to be Tapau as mm-hmm. a young right. woman. Um but then they encountered backlash over that, and so they changed the name slightly. And then later in the fourth season, we get to meet the actual T'Pau. But originally, it was going to be T'Pau on the bridge of the original Enterprise, which mm. I think would have been cool. It would yeah. interesting, but it might have broken some of the continuity only because it was, the implication was is that the Vulcan, the original T'Pau, didn't have a whole lot of contact with humans uh, in the past. That, that was, I think there was an implication in that. But, Maybe, yeah, but you know, Kroika. <laughs> but that could have still been interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. So let, I want to kind of talk a little bit about the the story arcs. What what uh, uh, because mm-hmm. what happened is is we started with you know your standard introduction of you know story of the week sort of stuff, but they quickly got us into a couple story arcs. But the overarching one, no pun intended, was the temporal cold war. And, oh yeah, and, that was forced on them by the suits. They that right. was not the writer's original idea, and I think it was problematic because yeah. what it introduced was a very complex, like a set of futuristic factions from different time periods trying to manipulate the past. Because hey, it's a it's a show that takes place in 
the past <laughs> from yeah. what we know. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, you know, it was, but it quickly became very complex and complicated. And I, you know, time, uh, various time travel prevention of changing the timeline sort of stories, they're, they become complicated and hard to follow for, for, for the viewer, the fan. And I think it was, a, again, it's another one of those mistakes. Yeah, it, especially, it, I mean, you can tell complex time travel stories, but if you're, if you're going to do that, what you have to do is focus the viewer's attention on that. Yes. You mm-hmm. can't graft it on to an adventure of the week thing and expect the audience to follow I mean, it. We we don't know anything about watching a show about time travel, do we? <laughs> but at least <laughs> at least in Doctor Who, the, the I mean, there's there are certain things where you can't change. You know, you you you've, it's a fixed point in time. You can't change time. Right. But we don't have this constant like you're changing the timeline. In fact, very often Doctor Who kind of waves at it like, well, you know, it. it, it don't worry about are it. Are you planning? Are you planning to kill your grandfather? Well, then don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. Exactly. That's a that's a a future episode or past episode. I don't remember how they line up. Of Secrets of Doctor Who. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so so the 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 temporal cold war was I think problematic. Mm-hmm. But then we got into later after the in the third season they introduced mm-hmm. the Zindi crisis and yeah I think that went on all season and I think that was that. That was the right direction. Um, it was a darker storyline. Um, mm-hmm. and I think it sort of reflected the time period with 2003. We post 9-11 mm-hmm. war with Iraq. I mean, this was, it was a dark time <laughs> for us in general. Um, and so this was a storyline that began with a massive terrorist attack on earth that killed 7 million people. Um, and, right. and then the enterprise was sent out to track down mm-hmm. and stop the, the time traveling faction that was trying to, do this or alien alien faction that was doing it right um so i agree that and and after the first two seasons they realized we're likely to get canceled because we're just Mm -hmm. spinning our wheels here we're we've got this temporal cold war thing that's not really working out and other than that it's adventure of the week and we've done adventure of the week for years and that's not attracting audience um so uh so let's try a long-term story arc Great idea. Let's try mm-hmm. a season-long story arc. Fine. Um, let's totally root it in searing, painful memories that everybody has of a year ago. Yeah. Of nine, well, basically okay. 9/11. Not starting, not, no. not necessarily the best move. Um, although, frankly, I found the Zindi thing, I found it kind of boring. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I was in favor of them moving in this direction. I just didn't think the execution was that great right. where they really kicked into high gear, where they did get it right was in season four. Um, every show and next gen had this as a problem too, especially in their early years, they want to prove how different they are from other Star Trek. And that means fewer references. So the thing, one of the, one of the directives about Enterprise is we're not going to do a lot of setup for things in the original series. I mean, we might see Andorians and Tellarites, but that's about it. Um, and then in season four, when Manny Cotto became showrunner, it's like, let's do three or four episode mini arcs, which is a fine move. And let's have each one of them focus on setting up something we saw in the original series, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the uh, 
the we knew about Khan and the eugenics wars, so we got the augment cycle. Or um, we saw Orion slave women, so let's do a thing on the Orion syndicate. Um, and that's where they, they really got into And then they started exploring a little bit the lead up to the Romulan War, mm-hmm. and that was good. Um, and the fourth season was where everything really started clicking, but they already knew at that time, this is basically going to be our last. And in fact, we even got the setup for discovery, uh, in, mm-hmm. in the fourth season with the time travel, the mirror universe episodes that they, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which sets up the Star Trek discovery, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I felt like at the time I felt like, Enterprise, the fourth season was just getting good. It was like finally, yes. it was, it was, it was what the, the series I wanted. <laughs> Until the last episode, I was just gonna <laughs> say that. I was just gonna say that that big stinker they dropped right at the end. Oh, so awful! Yeah. The, so, spoiler, folks, if you haven't seen the series, the whole thing was a hologram uh, uh, adventure. The last episode was a hologram, yeah, story. <laughs> um so they Troy the, and the Riker were playing in the-, the 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 high producers not Manny Cotto the people above him decided they wanted as a quote love letter to the fans um write a final episode themselves and so they essentially turned it into an episode of Star Trek the Next Generation where we only see Riker and Troy and it's set during the Pegasus event um where Riker has a crisis of conscience about whose orders is he going to follow. And to sort that out, he goes into the holodeck and has this enterprise adventure that's supposed to shed light on his own moral dilemma. And so this was, of course, wildly unpopular with the cast who said, why are you turning our final moment of glory episode into (laughs) an episode of another series? Right. Um, but then they botch it beyond that because they kill off just for shock value. They kill off Trip Tucker for no good reason. I mean, he's been in worse situations than this and survived them. Mm-hmm. And so they they kill off a character and then they jump five years into the future or something to the founding of some organization, which technically isn't the Federation, but a predecessor of the Federation, and have Jonathan Archer about to make a speech inaugurating it, and then we don't get to see the speech. So it's like a failure on every level. Yeah, it's the the founding of the League of Planets, which is sort of like League of Nations before the United Mm. Nations sort of thing. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there was... It was, I mean, they they knew it was the last episode. They knew were being they were being canceled, and so they decided to to go out with a bang. But they end up just misfiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so charitable um, way of putting it. Yes, uh, you know, I, one thing I I do liked about it, um, and I th- they I think they could have done the whole episode around was going ahead to win. You know, part of it was the the, the original Enterprise being decommissioned. And they could have just done the story around that about, you know, kind of done mm-hmm. a, a flash through the, the remaining years of the Enterprise to that moment, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But instead, they did this whole and, and unseen, an unseen a clip show of unseen clips. I've only seen that done on Community before. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So I just want to kind of wrap up by just you know, briefly touching on the rest of the crew that we really haven't talked about. Uh, we had um, Dr. Phlox, who was a uh, Denobulin uh, mm-hmm. species we hadn't good, seen before. Good character. I liked him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he, but he was very much reminiscent of Neelix, which was another sort of that re- remixing of previous crews. Um, oh, he was. Yeah, but he was nowhere near as annoying as no, Neelix. He didn't, he didn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had. Um, Mayweather, who was basically Ensign Kim again. Um, yeah. Except for this time he was at the, the helm instead. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he was, I, I like the actor. He seemed like a sweet guy, but he was a really boring character. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they, he got a couple of centric, you know, Mayweather centric episodes, mostly focusing on his family who were freighter. Right. Uh, that was, I like that. It was interesting to see that mm-hmm. in that background. Um, we had uh, Malcolm Reed. Uh, played by Dominic Keating, so therefore he's my favorite. Um, no, <laughs> but the security he, officer, and he got more interesting as time yeah. went along, and yeah. eventually by the end we find he's in Section Thirty One. Right, that would have, th- and that would have been very interesting to see how uh, that would have he, developed. Yeah, right? yeah, um, and then uh, go ahead, Hoshi Sato, and then Hoshi Sato, the yeah. communications officer who speaks many languages. It's still it's the Star Trek language problem, which is they wave their hand at all the thousands of languages that all the species speak. And, you know, we eventually get a universal translator, but it just we can't deal with it. (laughs) Yeah. Which which she plays a key role in developing. Right. Um, And and Hoshi, I really like as a character. Um, Hoshi, I mean, she she plays a useful function. They're at least trying to address the language issue. So they have a genius level linguist dealing with it. Right. And that's that's OK. Um, but just as a character, she's the one who is most sensitive to the fact this is a brand new starship and we haven't done this before. Just how safe is all of this? <laughs> right. And um, and so, you know, she's got like fearful flyer anxiety for mm-hmm. spaceships. Yes. And and I thought that's totally believable and totally human. And there have been and will be people who have that. Right. And so if if it makes sense, if you need like the best linguist in the world of a certain age to come on your ship, she may not otherwise be suited to, mm-hmm. to gung ho space travel. So I thought that was great. Yes, that, that was that was good. Uh, some recurring characters that you were there. Start, you know, Star Trek. Uh, guest characters who we've seen before, like Jeffrey Combs, who mm-hmm. yeah. was in Deep Space Nine and Voyager and Next Gen. Uh, he played the Andorian Commander Shran. I liked, Grand. I liked getting more Andorians in this series. Mm-hmm. That was something oh, yeah. I really enjoyed. I liked the Andorians. Shran, and Jeffrey Combs is always great to watch. Yeah. And he was Wayun and also uh, um, Brunt, Brunt on the, Deep yep, Space Nine. Brunt. Um, uh, <laughs> What's Whatever the, his title was, FCA uh, Brunt, F- FCA. Inspector Brunt, yeah, <laughs> um, and and so he was great. They would have made had they had they gotten a season five. The plan was for him to become a regular. Interesting, and oh, and he was a lot of fun. I love how in this sort of moment of twenty third century or twenty second century political incorrectness he's referring to all the caucasians as pink skin yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like totally fine if that's your that if that's your slur it i'm okay with that yeah exactly um other characters that came out uh stephen culp came on as major hayes the basically a future marine the the makos 
uh, the, 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 the military force that was added to the and, ship. And that I, that I kind of like to show, um, more of an explicit military yeah. force because this was a time, you know, frankly, when the United, when the United Earth was still trying to, uh, clean up the messes of the past. Right. And well, it created an interesting conflict with, uh, Malcolm Reed, who was the security chief, who yep. it was, there was, he felt like it was a direct, you know, challenge to his, uh, cap- co- uh, competency and capabilities. Uh, so mm-hmm. that was, uh, that created an interesting story, uh, I think. Um, Jeffrey Graham, uh, I'm sorry, Gary Graham as Ambassador mm-hmm. Saval was on there. Uh, another, uh, person who showed up a few times was Brent Spiner as Dr. Sung, the creator yes. of Data, uh, who created oh, Data his, in his own his, image. His ancestor. Was, oh, is, it was like the grandfather yeah. of the creator. Of oh, the, right, right, right. Now, now that, I, yeah, now that you say that, I, I do recall that. Yes. Um, so, it, but anyway, um, a few other recurring characters. Uh, so the one, one interesting point, and then we'll start, start to wrap things up is that, uh, Enterprise is the only live action Star Trek series to complete its run without a change in the main cast. Uh, hmm, okay. original series changed with, uh, yeah, uh, lost Tasha Yar and, well, it, uh, our original series we lost, uh, we gained Chekhov. Well, Chekhov, the original yes. series was Chekhov, um, in, in, and lost Yeoman Rand. Yeah. And, and next gen change, we'll also change Dr. Crusher and Dr. Pulaski in one season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, uh, Deep Space Nine, we had Worf added and then we, we changed Jedzia to Ezri. Ezri. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Voyager, uh, we changed DS nine uh, or was a seven of nine, seven of nine from Kess. So yeah, so the only series, hmm. uh, although the animated series, technically, you know, which is not a live action, uh, and yeah. cha- had, didn't have a change in its very short run either. Uh, so that was just interesting. And then, uh, last thing to mention was the technology. They didn't use the transporters. Oh. There was new technology. So they used shuttles. By the end of it, they were using the transporters pretty freely, but yeah. it, it was okay in the beginning to everyone's really hinky about these things. They're not really cleared for human use yet. Right. Um, one thing, that a criticism that I have of the technology is even though they made an effort to uh, to show us that this is not original series technology, they had such close surrogates. Yeah, for for original series technology that um, that it just affected individual words in the dialogue. So they don't have shields. They don't have force fields to surround the ship with in battle. But they do have hull plates that for some reason have to be charged. Right. And so they'll they'll Captain Archer, instead of saying shields, will be barking out power to the hull plates or something like that. And it's like. (laughs) Dude, it's if if you're gonna make it that close, there's no point. Just just call them shields. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 or or better yet, don't have shields and don't have hull plates that have yeah. to be charged, and let us have more drama as a result. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, that was true. Um, and yeah, they they had uh, phaser analogs, and they had yeah, everything had an phase analog. pistols. Phase pistols. Phase pistols. Yeah. Right. Which I think were look pretty cool. And uh, quantum oh yeah. torpedoes instead of photon torpedoes. Yes, because photon is better than quantum. <laughs> <laughs> photon <laughs> phenomena. <laughs> so I think that we should wrap it up there. Uh, and, and of course, like with the other uh, series we talked about, we're going to come back to um, 
the Enterprise. We'll be talking about the the, the it, episode by episode and, and going through each of the stories. So, uh, ooh, that means we're going to have to do a night in sick bay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, another uh, fun one. Well, every series has is going to have those episodes where we're like, uh, do we have? To? But yes, those will be the fun ones for people to listen to. That's for sure. So, um, I think that's it from us. So, hey, if you are that Star Trek fan who loves Enterprise. We want to hear from you. So so please, uh, or if you have anything else you want to say about the Enterprise or anything we've talked about on Star Trek, uh, we want we want you to, to, to let us know. So um, send us an e- email to uh, trek at sqpn.com or go to sqpn.com slash trek or the SQPN Facebook page. Find the link to today's show and uh, leave a comment there. Um, and send us some feedback. If you want to send us some voice feedback, you can email us a voice file that you record on your using the voice memo function on your smartphone would be fine. Um, you can find links to uh, our personal and social media uh, websites on our show notes at sqpn.com. Uh, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the original pilot for the, the original series, The Cage. Uh, not the menagerie, The Cage. So until then... Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Well, thank you very much, Dom. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Live long and prosper. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Star Trek.